0: Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtzon, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtzon from Linksfield Shul. And you were just listening to Shweki singing The Way We Were, a song he composed after the, the three boys a few years ago that were captured In Israel and murdered And that feeling of unity that came And After a while the unity Was forgotten and the idea was the way we were To remember who we are And I felt it was a strong message for What we're going through now And throughout the show we have some other Powerful songs that hopefully Connect to the zone we're in To the space we're in Um, We're talking now On Tuesday The 15th of Kislev 10 days before Hanukkah, 28th of November, already four groups of captives that have come out in the last four days. The Shavu in coming back home. And uh, it's not enough until the last captive's gone and until we assure that such an attack will never happen again. It's not just to bring the captives home, but it's to create the deterrence after that and to make sure that those who spilled our blood should uh, be brought to justice. But that's not where we're going today. Um, I want to focus more on the uplifting side as we are 10 days before Hanukkah. And I was giving a share a few days ago, and I said that um, there's a lot of perks of living in South Africa. And if you, if you've been listening to my show over the years, you know that I'm a big fan. But one of the things I struggle, not specifically in South Africa, but living in the southern hemisphere is Hanukkah. It just doesn't have the same feel as, uh, the northern hemisphere. Um right, each holiday in the calendar has a feel. Pesach has a feel. And i imagine many of our listeners have been to a Pesach Seder before. And whether it was a perfect Seder or not, or whether Um, after an hour everyone started kvetching they wanted to finish or there was the uncle who insisted that you do the 14 hour version of the Seder whatever it was a Seder has a feel Rosh Hashanah has a feel even Yom Kippur has a feel to it Hanukkah has a feel and a big part of the feel is like wintry snowing on the outside early nights sitting around the menorah, family dinners, etc., and just the fact of life that that's not where South Africa is, on Hanukkah or the southern hemisphere. It's summer, it's late, lights, um, sunsets much later, um, no one's cozy around on the contrary, everyone's trying to get outside to get some fresh air, inside's pretty hot, it's a different energy. And um, obviously it demands of us to create its own energy. And uh, it's a challenge. I know in the last few years, many, many activities have started um, to really build up Hanukkah. And especially this year, the Hanukkah is early. It's before many people are going away on holiday. It starts Thursday night a week, right? For many people today after school finishes, at least the beginning of Hanukkah, many, many people will still be here. And Hanukkah has a story, which I'm not going to explore so much today. You could... If you don't know it, you could search in the the story of the Maccabees. Um, we'll focus on certain points, but it's not really a Hanukkah show, but it's more the message, the core message, the theme. Because the message of Hanukkah is light. Light in two dimensions. In brightness, to be able to see, and light in warmth. Light has other dimensions it consumes etc but there's two main themes that I come across on the Hanukkah and on the Shabbos candles every Friday night and that is warmth and visibility and interesting mentioning earlier in the northern hemisphere when it's cold and dark um, early in the day so like those two themes have you know a very physical resonance they manifest very physically in a very tangible vis- visceral way versus here that um, you know it's pretty bright for very late in the evening and it's not exactly cold at this time of the year. Definitely another extreme. Gosh, it's been hot the past few days. Um, but the theme is very strong. And the theme of light. The theme of warmth. And that's why Hanukkah throughout the world has a very strong resonance. I'd imagine this year in Israel, more than ever, Hanukkah is going to have a very strong resonance. But i spent quite a few Hanukkahs in Israel. It's in many ways the Chag of the Year. In some ways even more than Pesach, more than Yom Kippur. Hanukkah just has a very strong theme and message and fun and latkes and sufganiyot and donuts and um, lots of public menorah lightings and menorahs and all the windows and parties and celebrations and... Oily foods and 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 plays. It's a very very strongly themed holiday. I would argue that from all the chagim of the year, the two the two holidays that have the strongest narratives are Pesach, the narrative of freedom, and Hanukkah, the narrative of light. Obviously, I'm not saying they're more important than other holidays. I'm saying in terms of narrative, they're very very strong narratives. And I think this year more than in a while, Hanukkah's message of light needs to deeply resonate within us, um, because it has a. We need to bring warmth into our hearts. We need to bring clarity into our hearts. When you see a world that is lacking in empathy for goodness, and you see a world that's lacking clarity of good and evil, the message of Hanukkah is powerful to bring the light out into the world and to remind people there is such a thing as light and there is such a thing as dark and you have to be on the side of light you have to be a person that sees light appreciates light I saw that uh, message that was posted on social media where you have a picture of a family embracing when the kids were just released from captivity and the other picture is you have a terrorist terrorist Waving his hands in exhilaration, he was just released in exchange of a family that was released. And look at the contrast. I think it was actually, the, that picture comes from a newspaper in uh, Germany. But they brought the contrast. And if someone can look at that image and not see moral clarity, what's, what's the side of good and what's the side of evil, then we really need Hanukkah in our lives. We need Hanukkah in this world. We need to brighten up this world because it's our obligation to not only know what's right, but to teach the world what's right. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So this is 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson here live. And talking about light, and I want to focus in the next few minutes for this part of the show as light, not so much in the area of warmth, which is something we spoke about, and maybe we'll speak about later on in the show, but light as an oath of clarity. The gift of clarity, right? You walk into a room and the lights are off or heaven forbid somebody's blind and they're unable to see. And what happens when somebody is given back the gift of sight when the lights are turned on? The same house which could feel haunted or feel dark is suddenly visible. You could, right? You go into a mansion if all the lights are off. I mean, you don't really have to imagine that living in South Africa, this is pretty much a daily occurrence. The difference between having light, not just electricity, as in being able to cook and bake and um, other, you know, the fridge working, but simply seeing, right? When it's dark at night, it's very frustrating, um, and it's all—it's a common experience that all of us share. Um, this frustration of, of not being able to see. So light very much symbolized the ability of walking into the same space, but being able to visualize it, right? It's the same house dark and light but it's two different experiences physically nothing changes I mean obviously maybe from a very physics perspective there's a few particles of light running around but fundamentally a room with light and a room without light are the exact same room what's the difference? one is empty and dull and lifeless and one is full of spark and life and joy etc light is magnificent right? daytime is it's beautiful so somebody that has their lights turned on, right? It's not lights out in their own brain means they see things clearly. Someone that has lights out means that they might see the whole house, but they, they have no clarity. They can't see. And one of the f- devastating um, realizations that have happened to many of us in the last few weeks, in the last two months, plus minus, since October 7th, although it's not a surprise, but it's, it's for many people it is a surprise, actually, um, but definitely came with a sharp focus, is how many people in our world cannot see reality for what it is. Um, and Friday night in Shul, I, I did something which is unusual. You know, I usually try to give a, a, a Vart, a Vartar. But for this Friday night, I said, you know what, I actually want to explain you um, this idea of how many people see reality now. Because I think many people within our community are getting quite frustrated at Why don't people see reality? We're we're walking... the, The same reality. You see a bunch of kids taken captive, and you see a bunch of terrorists that are in prison, and what is it called? A prisoner exchange. As if it's some nice... You know, two equal sides in war, just making a prisoner exchange. Or for many people, it's not even equal. One side... The Hamas side is absolutely virtuous and exhilarating as one professor in in university in America said it. And the other side is a bunch of uh, oppressors and they deserve everything they get. And you're like, one second, we're, we're, we're looking at the same reality. One is some beautiful families that just want to be reunited with their parents and their kids. And the other ones are people that are literally being released from prison and five minutes later they're they're declaring that they're willing to go kill more Jews etc and you see a moral equivalence or you see a moral superiority on the latter part, how? So I'm going to share with you what I shared with my community Um, I think it's important to know thy enemy, to understand the world and to understand the moral confusion, where it's coming from, obviously many people are um, anti-Semitic but I don't think that's the majority of the people who are not seeing clarity. It might eventually evolve into anti-Semitism, but fundamentally it evolves from a worldview. And I'd encourage you to actually research that worldview if you don't know more about it. It's called the, inter- the worldview of intersectionality, where basically the word is intersecting. Um, and it's, it's, it's a movement that really started a few decades ago, although it's very much a Marxist in its, uh, at its core – and basically what intersectionality argues, and I think it's important, really important to understand, because basically it replaced Judeo values. It, it replaced, um, you know, values that come from Sinai and that have really guided the West and most of the world for many, many years and re- supplemented it Um, With an entirely new value system. So our old the the Judeo values, which have been adopted by many other religions and many other uh, people, is this idea that people are judged in the words of Martin Luther King by their actions, by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And that basically all that matters is how you behave. Nothing about you, nothing about all your identities and everything obviously it it's you know it's important to have your identity, but fundamentally we're, we should all be judged by the content of our character it's a fundamental Jewish value. each person here has free choice, etc. intersectionality argues a very different point. it argues that their world is split into two oppressor and oppressed and Again, it has Marxist tinges because that's very much like a Marxist idea. Fundamentally, he saw it as the, the upper class, the bosses, the, the, the creators of manufacturing versus the workers. Um, and the, the fundamental fu- communist manifesto workers of the world unite. Um, intersectionality sees it a bit differently in which it's how much are you a victim? And there's various victim classes based on the color of your skin, based on your sexual identity, based on are you conceived as strong or weak, are you wealthy or poor. And fundamentally it says that the more victim groups you belong to, the higher you are in the totem pole. And the uh, the, the oppressor is fundamentally the white male. And oppressed is basically everybody else at various levels of oppression. Now, this might sound like something like, why am I talking about this? I promise you this is the way millions, if not hundreds of millions of people see reality. And what happens then is intersectionality argues and says we have to intersect. All victim groups have to intersect and find solidarity with each other. So therefore, you could have, let's say, queers for Palestine, even though Many of the queers, if they went to Palestine, it wouldn't exactly be a positive experience for them because there's no tolerance. But fundamentally, where they meet is I'm a victim, you're a victim, we have to have solidarity for each other. Who are we a victim of? We're a victim of the white patriarchy. Now, never mind that Israel is majority not white, um, but that's not even the point. It's such a stupid argument. Fundamentally, what, what, what does that mean? The world's not divided by oppressor and oppressed. The world's divided, in the words of Victor Frankl, by... Um, I'm, I'm, the, the words are slipping my mind The decent and indecent right? Um, Viktor Frankl writes that the world is split into two races The decent and indecent That's a fundamental um, Jewish value But in today's day and age Many people are splitting And no oppressor and oppressed And therefore the oppressor could do no right And the oppressed could do no wrong The oppressed could do no wrong because they have hundreds of years of colonization that they have to overcome, and therefore violence isn't only accepted, it's often glorified, because the only way is to tear down the old world order and bring the whole new world order. Now, this has been tried. Look at communism in the last hundred years. Pretty much the communist revolution in in Russia happened in 1917, 1918, just over a 100 years ago. And how many people has communism killed all over the world? Non-combatants, estimated about a hundred million people. Don't trust me. Go look at the numbers yourself. Um, in China, in Russia, in the, the Ukraine, in Cambodia, in Venezuela, in Zimbabwe. The, the, it, the list is unfortunately almost endless. Because that's what happens when you try to tear down the old world order, which has its imperfections, but fundamentally was based on good values, and try to replace it with some new utopian idea that is so far from utopia, it turns into hell on earth for many people. But when you understand how many people, smart people, people that must probably even have a higher IQ than many of us, see reality, you understand that there's nothing Israel can do in the eyes of these people that will ever be justified. There's nothing. Why? Because in their mind, Israel's the oppressor. Why? Because Israel's strong. Why? Because Israel's white. Again, it's not white. It's irrelevant. That's why the anti-Semites on the right wing will say that we're not white enough. Then on the left wing, they'll say we're too white. We can never win. But that's, a, that's its own story. But when people see reality like that, and back to where we started, we're talking about Hanukkah being the ability to see things cl- with clarity. When people see reality based on such rubbish, that instead of splitting the world between decent and indecent, they're splitting the world between uh, some imaginary definition of oppressor and oppressed, and the oppressor could do nothing right, and the oppressed could do nothing left, then you don't understand, you'll never convince them. You will never convince them Hamas is evil. You will never convince, no matter how many pictures you show of what happened on October 7th, you will not convince them, because on the contrary, the more they see, the more they say, what do you mean? They're right. The oppressed must do whatever it takes. And if it means beheading babies, if it means burning uh, uh, people, whatever, I'm not going to go into all the descriptions of what happened that day, but if it means doing the most horrible things known to mankind, even animals would be embarrassed by it, we'll do it. And I don't, it's, 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 it's exhilarating. It's glorifying. So often we, we lose this argument because like you see so many people on social media desperately um, you know, people who, who have clarity, people who see what's right, and they're desperately trying to convince people on the other side of the fence to see what I see. But the point is, one's looking through a house of darkness, one's, one person has their lights off, and one person has their lights on. The person that has the lights off, literally, no matter what you show them, because they see values based on this warped ideology of what's right and what's wrong, you'll never convince them. Because in their mind, there's nothing you could do to prove them that Hamas is evil. Hamas is weak. Right? Compared to Israel, they're weak. So they're good. And Israel is strong. So they're bad. It's irrelevant. No matter what Hamas does, it's justified. You have to tear down the white patriarchy rubbish. Now this, it's, and I'll be honest, while I'm talking about it, I cannot believe that that's the level of ideas we have to combat with. But the truth is, Hitler's ideas of race were us, were as nonsensical. This idea that there's a supreme race and there's other races, and at that time, it's important to understand about World War II, Hitler didn't invent the ideas of race. Actually, many of the ideas were based on American ideas at the time. And many of the greatest organizations in the world and many medical associations adopted the ideas of inferior races and premier races, etc. Hitler obviously took it to a whole new extreme. But it was very much the Geistheit of the time. And for somebody at the time who believed in Martin Luther's you know, idea, which he didn't articulate yet in World War II, the idea that people should be judged by the content of their character, they must have thought, are you crazy? Seriously, one race is better than the other race? What rubbish! But billions of people believed in that nonsense. And today, 80 years after World War II, hundreds of millions if not billions of people believe a new level of rubbish. That the world's uh, uh, oppressed and oppressor, and etc., etc., as we just articulated. Hanukkah reminds us to get our lights on. First of all, to make sure in our own families we see things with clarity. And then to make sure that we do not get fooled by other people's rubbish. And to make sure we continue to be a light onto the world. Continue articulating that there's a moral way of seeing what's right and what's wrong. And the world is not split into oppressor and oppressed. There's no such a divide. The divide is between good, decent, honest people with good values and people who are rubbish. People who literally can, ex- can celebrate the death of a baby. There is no moral equivalence. There's no justification. It's binary. It's good or evil doesn't mean good people don't do bad things and doesn't mean evil things people don't sometimes do nice things but fundamentally when you see the world through the light of, through the oppressor and oppressed you will become evil just like many people who started off decent saw the world through the eyes of communism and ended up doing very evil things a person who sees the world through the eyes of darkness can end up so dark and evil. And a person who sees the world through light, although they're imperfect, we're all imperfect human beings, will fundamentally head in the right direction. Make sure your lights are on. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avzon on 101.9 High FM. So this is 101.9 High FM. You were listening to the magnificent song, Avraham, are we the children you prayed for? And the answer is yes, we are the children. And... thousands of years later and such bright lights. And I've never been prouder of my identity as a Jew than in the last two months. It's amazing what Hamas thought they're going to do is break us. And what they did, more than anything, obviously they hurt us deeply. But they gave so many people their identity back. Not only did they bring us united to each other, they brought us united to ourselves. Um, a lot of us were struggling with our identities. We were fragmented in our identities. The fact that we were Jewish was just a sideshow. I mentioned to my community, I said, if I asked you two months ago, tell me about yourself, you would tell me about your job and about your family and your your status in the community, and eventually that you're Jewish. If I asked anyone now, Tell me about yourself. The first thing you would say is, "I'm a Jew." I'm a Jew. So that's what happened. As a result, we got, we, we regained our clarity. We see things. And I remember my sister. Um, she told me years ago, thinking about it, she actually just had a baby a few uh, an hour ago. But um, I remember a year ago, a few years ago, she told me that a mentor of hers said to her that I give you the greatest blessing of all, and that is the blessing of clarity. And I remember even when I heard it, it had a resonance. But decades later, it has much more of a resonance. It's so true. It's the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing in life is seeing reality for what it is, having clarity, knowing how to make decisions, not getting bogged down with lots of conflicting Voices seeing through the the haze, right? Life is often like driving in a very hazy, muggy day. Clouds are low. And the ability to still see and to keep on driving and be able to see through it rather than get absolutely overwhelmed and blinded, is one of the greatest gifts of life. And it's one of the necessities of life. And it's important that we hold on to it. And in a world that has so little clarity, as I spoke about in the previous segment, this unhealthy perspectives, how people see reality, right? Whether it was in the days of communism or in the days of fascism or now in the days of intersectionality and leftism or extreme right and all the various ideologies that... Although people are entitled to think what they want, right? We believe in free speech. Free speech doesn't mean that it's morally free to think whatever you want. The the government maybe shouldn't have a right to sit there coming down on you on every idea you have. But you have a moral obligation to God and to your own dignity to make sure you don't think in rubbish ideas. So you you don't have a moral right. You have a political right for free speech, but you don't have a moral right. A moral right, you have to find your own truth. Right? Right? Stupid ideas are not morally equivalent to good moral values. They're not. And as we get closer to Hanukkah and we think about the message of light and clarity, it's our obligation to see things for what they are. To see through the haze. Smart people don't necessarily see through it. On the contrary, sometimes the more intellectual you are, the more you could create... Um, mental gymnastics to justify crazy things. Hitler um, had a lot of intellectuals around him. He was far from an intellectual, but a lot of intellectuals around him who created the moral basis for the greatest evils. The famous story about Heidegger, which is considered one of the greatest philosophers of all time, and they asked him how he could follow Hitler. The guy's such a brute. And his argument was, well, have you seen his hands, such magnificent hands, Smart people can be real idiots. And people from the the most prestigious universities on the planet have shown themselves to be the the biggest moral idiots. And my great-grandmother, who maybe couldn't read or write, had in her fingertip more clarity than these people have in their entire brain. Because you don't get clarity by learning 2 plus 2 equals 4. You don't get clarity... Moral clarity by going to university to all the, to all the wonderful studies. You get moral clarity by being raised with good values, by learning wisdom, by knowing where you come from, by knowing history, by knowing what's right and what's wrong. So it's our obligation as we get closer to Hanukkah and we get closer to December holidays and time of time off to use this time to regain our Moral clarity Don't argue with people who are lost There's no point To pray for them But fundamentally our goal is to make sure that our kids And the people around us and our friends Stay the course, don't lose it It's so easy to lose our way It's so easy to forget that the world is split into decent and indecent And start splitting the worlds into other crazy things Right, Simple ideologies. Communism, a nice simple ideology, right? Ended up killing 100 million people and persecuted billions. Fascism. All these ideas that at the beginning many people can't even see them for what they are, how dangerous they are. But when someone reaches a stage in their clarity where they think that Hamas is the moral equivalent or the moral superior to Israel and the Jewish people, you are so far gone, my friend. All I could do is pray for you. And I pray, I pray that you get to see the light. I pray that you wake up from this nightmare that you put yourself into through moral, moral confusion before it's too late, before the evil that consumed us will consume you as well. Cause it's not stopping by us. It will end up all over the world. And if we are not the canary in the coal mine, who are, then who is? Of course we are. What starts with the Jew never ends with the Jew. Remember that world. Not for our sake. For yours. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton. Signing off. Have a great day.